0: Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Thanks for listening. My name is Jared Piles and with me is Dr. Rob McDole. Hello, Dr. McDole. Good afternoon. How are you today, sir? I am doing well, sir. And how, it's Monday as we record this. So let's, uh, how was your weekend?
1: Well, weekend was good. Yeah. Nobody was really sick this weekend or, or we were recovering. Yeah, you guys have been fighting illness. Yeah. For sure. First, it was COVID. Then, as we like to say here at Cedarville, the Cedarville plague or CRUD Cedar, or Cedar Plague. Cedar Plague. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're on the tail end of those things. So today,
0: You're going to have to ask me about my weekend? We just set this whole thing up for you to ask me about my weekend so I could give some banter and be funny. Well,
1: I do want to hear about your weekend because you did come into the office and show us something new.
0: Yeah, I brought in a new coffee brewer. It's called the Pulsar Brewer, and my wife was making fun of me because on the side of the box it says, for coffee that's out of this world. She made fun of me for that, which I guess is fine. You know, it's it's pretty cool. It's got, it does like a, do you really want to know?
1: I do because I am trying to establish presence. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So should I stop or are you just going to go right? And you to No, going and no. Talking?
1: I think this is a good example of how you might establish presence.
0: Yeah. So it's an immersion style um, coffee brewer and that it also does a little bit of a pour down, um, pour over, pull down method as well. It's pretty exciting, and I've I've done used it a couple times now, and it's it's been interesting. Other things that happened this weekend: Uh, Joey Votto may have played his last game at Great American Ballpark, at least in a Reds uniform. I have mixed feelings. I'm a Reds fan. I've been a Reds fan my whole life, and Joey's been with the organization for 17 years.
1: Wow! So I'm crushed. Well, a little bit. Well, before we lose all of our listeners. Let's continue to talk about how we just set up presence.
0: Yeah. So, we are continuing our series on the community of inquiry uh, in discussion about online learning. We last episode, we kind of set up what community of inquiry is. And this episode, we're going to go into the three types of presence that make up. And that's presence is in CE, not TS. So, we're not getting three types of gifts. We're giving three types of presence uh, in an online course. So, that is our plan for this episode.
1: So what we were kind of demonstrating by you know, talking about how our weekend had gone. Yeah. Which presence is that?
0: I was just trying to make conversation. Right. And that would be social presence. Exactly. I feel there's a sense of connection.
1: Mm-hmm. But or it could alienate, right? Yeah. Because if you have people who are listening who are not Cincinnati Red fans. Yeah. They would be like, why is he talking about the Cincinnati Reds? We don't care. Well,
0: there's an element of it where there's like an emotional connection there, regardless of being a Reds fan or not.
1: Right. So you have to make a choice. Sure. I either like what you're saying or
0: I dislike. You You could have people that were different fans of baseball teams that are rivals of the Reds, like the Pirates or the Cardinals and or brewers or whatever who don't really care and say, thank you, Joey, for not playing anymore. (laughs) But, you know, for overall, though, I'd hope there's at least some sort of emotional connection there with losing a beloved person, even though it's baseball. And, I mean, really, it's just a game, let's be honest here.
1: But these are, yeah, it's a game, but it's a game people like to play. It's a game people like to watch and follow. And it it goes to the whole... You know, purpose of what we're talking about today, and that is presence, and specifically right. social presence. And knowing more about one another helps create this sense of understanding and connection. And the more connection points you have, the more information or value can be exchanged back and forth. It's essentially an economy of knowledge, an economy of um, trust, an economy that you know, again, allows connection and you can't have those things without the connection. So having something that's varied, you know, we'll, and we'll get into that in our next episode about inclusion and making sure that you create opportunities for different folks who are raised in different cultures or whatnot to be able to connect and share those things. Mm -hmm. I think that brings more value, but social presence is, is more than just someone seeing a picture of you online right because usually those are very um manicured and uh
0: perfect like social media right people put the perception of i look like this it's
1: got the right my angle. my life is like this hopefully yes. it's got the right angle um you know maybe you've thrown some filters on it make it look you know just so so it highlights your best features and not the ones you think are so not great.
0: Yeah. And it's important that as you develop presence and, you know, presence in general can give students a feeling of connection and can affect their motivation and and overall experience in a course. Um, And as an instructor, you can also um, develop that participation engagement with your students by being present in the course. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in social presence, there's also an element to it, to where it's like you want your students to feel comfortable in that environment. right? And that's Difficult to do in an online course because you're literally not face to face. So doing things like, like you said, like pictures mm-hmm. stuff like that, uh, it it can be the pretty manicured picture. But if that's the only connection point, then it's going to have give a false. I mean, we're not saying, hey, take one of your worst selfies you've ever taken and put those <laughs> online. We're yeah, not saying that.
1: Yeah, and we'll, and, and I want to talk about that here in a little bit. Is just the balance that you must strike, sure, between uh, sharing enough, but not sharing too much. There's, there's certain boundaries probably that we should not transgress right. when we're talking to one another. I mean, because if you continue to share things, you're making big assumptions about your students. And until you really know, you need to, you need to be cautious. You need to be wise. You need to make sure that we keep those boundaries, especially between student and teacher, clear. Yeah. And don't, don't uh, muddy the waters.
0: So there are several ways to establish social presence. We have a couple strategies here, especially when it comes to, you know, developing that trust and open communication. Uh, you mentioned things like icebreakers, mm-hmm. where, you know, a personal photo, video discussions. One of the discussions I was a participant in, um, in an online course, was having us share our favorite uh, song. Oh. It was a favorite song, but one you had an emotional connection to, mm. and having us describe what we were feeling as we listened to the song, like does it take you back? Like some people said it brought me back to when I was a kid and my dad would play this in the back of the car when we were going to get pizza or whatever. Um, or it was like this song is is important to me because it was my mom's favorite song or something like that. So developing something to where it gives your students a safe space to drop the guard a bit mm-hmm. and make a connection that way. And I, I'm telling you that it was it was a great experience because even though you know I was... In Ohio, and we had people in California, some people across the Atlantic, um, Idaho and everything. Yeah, I'm not saying Idaho's across the Atlantic, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I was going back to statewide so people could know what we were talking about. Um, appreciate the context. Yeah, you're welcome. Again, yeah. context. I'm context. I'm all about context today.
1: It helps with social presence.
0: It really does. But, like, I felt connected to these people in a way I hadn't had before. More than just like, hey, what's your favorite food? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So,
1: Well, I, I think, uh, let's go back to that drive uh, analogy that we've used with objectives and and um, kind of revisit this as you were talking about you know listening to your favorite song it made me think about mixtapes you remember now I'm I'm dating myself but there was a time when you know if you had a particular uh, trip that you were taking with friends or family um, you know maybe it was Christmas time and we're going to see my grandparents in Iowa when we lived in South Carolina. Um, you know, making a mixtape that we could play in the car—that kind of, you know, got us in the mood. It it kind of set the tone. I think you can do those type, sorts of things in your class. And one thing that we've done, even in the office, that that is a strategy that way is, what's your top five movies? Your favorite movies? And we've been able to do that on a board, asynchronously. So you can just you can just have a prompt, right? And say, give me your top five movies. And then people put them up and people come by. and our Drudge. First, yes, exactly. Yeah. Right? Because then you're like, oh, that's terrible. But you start a conversation. I think that kind of maybe gives folks an idea of it doesn't necessarily have to be a part of the content that you're working with. But I think if you can have a natural lead into the content or you know, can have a loose association with it that probably is helpful. Well,
0: there are ways of making it connected to the content, though. Yes. I mean, you you could have, like, reflection pieces. You could have collaborative um, opportunities where students are working together. Um, It doesn't have to always be the informal stuff. It could be giving students opportunity to ask questions. Like, one of the coolest things that develops social presence and actually goes into cognitive presence as well, which is what we'll talk about next. Um, is when I took my stats class, I took um, with this instructor who stayed almost out of discussion entirely, but he gave us two weeks to work on each of our assignments. And by the end of the first week, you had to post your assignment, no matter what condition it was in, Mm -hmm. to a discussion board. And he wanted students to give comments, or he he wanted the original poster to Ask questions. I I really struggled with number three. Why is my path analysis looking like this? Or mm-hmm. I can't get the descriptive statistics to look like the example. Like what what am I doing wrong? And it created this back and forth conversation between the students where we were able to provide support, answer questions, and say, Hey, your number four looks a little weird. My answer was this. Why do you think they're different? I think here's what here was my process. What was your process? Why are our answers different? Mm-hmm. And then almost like to back clean up to go back to the baseball. I miss you, Joey. Um, <laughs> to go back to the baseball is to say, you know, that uh, he would come in and say, okay, well, this is what this is what this means. This is what this means. This is what this means. But allowing the students to struggle with that and mm-hmm. ask questions and then wait for Dr. Andy to come in at the end and, you know, fix everything for us.
1: Well, yeah, correct you and give you the feedback that you need to to make sure that you're on the right path. That sounds like a really great strategy.
0: Yeah. So cognitive presence is the next one. Mm -hmm. We've got social, cognitive, and the last one will be teaching. Right. Um, But cognitive presence is defined as the extent to which learners can construct and validate understanding through sustained reflection and discourse in a community of inquiry. So, cognitive presence.
1: Cognitive presence, I think one of the things that we've talked about is analysis, synthesis, and evaluation. Uh, Sounds like blooms. It does because it kind of is. Yeah. But the reality is that's really the key to most uh, cognitive skills or critical thinking. And so the content that comes through with cognitive presence should be Well, at least most, I I would hope there would be some of that, where instead of just learning the vocabulary of whatever discipline or whatever course you're in or that you're teaching, that you are also inviting the students, again, through that social presence with reflection and self-evaluation, but you give them opportunity to analyze, synthesize, and evaluate even their own learning. Right. Where are they in this? Uh, even asking some of those some of those questions, so that they they gain a sense of wonder or a sense of curiosity about the content and the thought patterns that they need to employ in order to successfully navigate the course.
0: And it should be said that this this idea of cognitive presence and you know, trying to hit those higher level skills isn't new to education. I mean, this is something we should be doing in our uh, face-to-face courses as well. Yes. Um, It's just that COI specifically points out this push for cognitive presence and picking up this higher level skills. Not necessarily, I mean, there's still time to do the you know, sometimes in your course, you have to do those lower level things to even get, I mean, you should to get them to that higher level spot, depending on when your students come into your course. Mm-hmm. But specifically, cognitive presence is focusing on those higher level things.
1: Yeah. And I think some strategies for that would be, you know, open-ended discussion prompts where you don't, you don't ask a yes or no question, right? You ask them to give an opinion or reflect on the content for the week and provide some evaluation or some synthesis from other areas. I think some other things we have, like problem-solving skills, specifically case studies are really good. And I know a lot of our faculty here love to use case studies. Um, There's nothing like working through a real scenario. Oh, yeah. that, That helps students really think through the realities of what they may be facing on a day-to-day basis you know in their in their course or not even in their course but in their everyday lives
0: And i think you can also do that through some reflection stuff like journaling or uh, reflective prompts or uh, anything that allows them to connect their previous knowledge with what they've just learned Uh, making that connection i think is super important to in in order to establish a higher level uh thinking throughout
1: yeah Dr. McCartney did a really good job when she was in the studio of, of using the Google Slides and letting students really focus on, you know, what they're learning and sharing that with one another and building, uh, building their understanding through, through those group projects. You want them through the social presence, you know, and we're going to talk about teaching perspective here or teaching presence here in a second, but specifically... Bringing the social presence into this, which we talked about in terms of strategies, helps and parallels with the cognitive strategies or the cognitive presence strategies that you have. So employing both of those is kind of a double down, if you will, uh, on the power of uh, bringing whatever it is you want these students to learn to life.
0: Yeah, the the actual community of inquiry Diagram is a three-circle Venn diagram, so right. there's this interconnection between all of these areas. They're not distinct. Correct. They, they fit together in some way.
1: What we really are aiming at is that overlap in the middle, Yeah. right? We mm-hmm. want that overlap where they all uh, converge. That's kind of the, the ideal.
0: All right. Now, I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but I think teaching presence is the most important one. Why? I'll tell you why. After I define it.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> so teaching presence is the design, facilitation, and direction of cognitive and social processes to support learners in achieving their learning outcome. So if you think of a Venn diagram, mm-hmm. there's this interconnection between teaching presence and the other two, mm-hmm. where the, the teacher has a part to play in each one of those oh, other yeah. presences. So I think teaching presence... It has a role in course design. It creates discourse and providing direct instruction. Um, we'll talk about each one of these specifically. Course design, you know, that we talked about this at length before. Course design, clear learning objectives. Mm-hmm. Organization. Meaningful and thoughtful assignments. Right. Um, yeah.
1: So back to the drive analogy, this is creating the path. Right, creating the best path to get from point A to point B and to make it interesting along the way and cause your students to join with you in that. Instead of you pushing, you're kind of pulling, but at some point they play an active role in their learning so that they're motivated and you can get further faster, I think, when you have self-motivated learners.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's, you know, course design, then facilitating learning. That means that's the part where the instructor is establishing community, Mm -hmm. uh, promoting open communication, encouraging. That's a huge part of it because it's so easy for students to feel isolated in an online course, but providing encouragement, providing opportunities for participation, you know, and that can be demonstrated by you as an instructor as well being active in those discussions. Right. Even if it's coming at the tail end of the discussion, just mm-hmm. your very presence being there is, is, is enough. Um, you know, having these regular interaction, being timely when you respond to questions or emails, um, and just being in, actively in the course.
1: Yeah. And I don't think you can discount direct instruction. I think what you were sharing earlier about how your statistics professor Took you all through that process. He allowed you to suffer in a way. Oh, yeah. It was you know? plenty,
0: plenty of suffering.
1: And then you all suffered together and we're trying to help each other out. But then there was that direct instruction. There was that summarization. Okay, here's where you guys went wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And here's how you get back to where you want to be. That is some of the most helpful, timely feedback that you could possibly give. And, that, and I think that's really one of the keys of teacher presence is timeliness.
0: Yeah. Agreed.
1: You know, and from that perspective, I would say, I do agree with you, teacher presence. Because a lot of times people think, oh, if I teach online, I don't have to be present. And I would disagree with that. For any, whether it's online or face-to-face, timing and presence or presence as seen by Good timing for feedback, giving the the knowledge at the right time, just in time when it really matters most. Um, setting it up so that you can have those conversations, drawing your students again along, not pushing them but but bringing them along. I think is is really the challenge of most educators, most faculty, and the ones who find a way to do that on an ongoing basis find success. Their students love to be in their classes because it's more than just the content. It's how this instructor is interacting, again, in all three of those areas, yep. socially, cognitively, and, you know, Teaching-ly. teaching, teaching nah, instructorally. Uh, no, you know, the teacher and the student relationship because we also talked about those as relationships yep. um, in the past. And that kind of brings me back to the issue that some of my dear brothers and sisters out there K-12 through and higher ed may face is this sense of guilt sometimes where did I do enough? Have Mm. I done enough? And I think, you know, that goes back to understanding your boundaries, understanding what you're responsible for and what you're not responsible for. You're responsible to engage your students as best you can, which means you try to find out from them in the time allotted who they are, what they know, what they don't know, where they're coming from to some degree. Again, that social presence, you know, what they know and what they don't know, cognitive presence. And then you can help draw them through the overarching plan that you have, the educational plan that you have, to get them to the objectives, you know, that drive model all over again. And um, some probably condemn themselves more than they should in terms of taking on things that are not theirs and may err in the side of providing too much openness, if I could say it that way, or erasing the line between the student and the faculty member or the teacher because there is a difference. Yeah. You didn't get hired because you know you just happen to take a course like every other student now you got hired because you have a specific professional knowledge base in a discipline and it's that that you are trying to share with these students who don't have that and you need to remember that because it's not a we're not on an equal playing field but let's not go the other direction either where we think ourselves so great, or we think ourselves so above, that everything we do and everything we say is like gold or manna from heaven, so to speak. Um, there's got to be a balance, right? And I think that goes with this whole, you got to keep all of those things in balance, or you're going to end up in trouble one way or the other.
0: That kind of leads into our next episode on inclusion. Ooh, and assessments as well. But let me quickly give a quick recap. We talked about social presence, right, which is the interaction between student-student and student-to-teacher. Uh, ways of cultivating trust and open communication, group cohesion, stuff like that. Cognitive presence is where students are wrestling with the content for higher level thinking uh, and critical thinking and reflection. And then we have teaching presence, which is really just kind of involved in both of the other aspects talking about how you can be um, active in course design, facilitating learning, and through direct instruction. Mm -hmm. Next episode, we're talking about inclusion and assessment in the online learning through the lens of COI.
1: I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, me too. That'll do it for us today. Email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu if you have any questions or show ideas. Like and subscribe. And check out Coffee Drops that randomly drop during the week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Transform Your Teaching podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. For more information, you can email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Please consider subscribing to our blog, Focus, found at cedarville.edu forward slash focus
1: blog.